0: You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. God is going to show up for us, and God is going to engage with us in these
1: stories if we're open to them. And God's going to move us to a different place than
0: where we are right now. By sharing our stories, we enable one another and encourage one another and empower one another to have greater faith, you know? Um, And uh, I I think there's real great hope in, in that, that these stories still continue today.
1: Yeah, so we all have these great stories. Hey, he appeared to me also. Here's my story, here's what happened. Take it or not, but
0: that's what happened.
1: There are a lot of different people that Jesus shows himself to. And it was an amazing thing. Time and time and time again. How Jesus showed And I think he's, he's looking forward to doing that today. me I had more time than that. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I've got to like get a number of things ready for today. I don't know. Um, my name is Jason Leininger. I'm one of the pastors here at Schweitzer. It's a joy to be with you today, joy to be in this series where we talk, we're talking about He Appeared to Me Also. Today we're going to um, do some things that are participatory. Um, Pastor Jim talked about how we're going to be looking at the road to Emmaus, and the story of the people who go on a trek, on a journey. So I have a question for you right at the outset of our time together, and I want you to participate, like call some things out, but I want you to think for just a very quick second, when you think of your um, lexicon, songs that are in your mind, songs that just sort of naturally come into your, um, you know, in, in your mind or in your heart, in your voice when you start singing them, songs about... A road or uh, the road or whatever, you know, songs may be like a destination at some point. When I started to think about some songs, um, I had to write this one down because I, you know, there's some, sometimes you remember lyrics, but you don't remember the names of the songs. But one of the first songs that comes into my mind is Here I Go Again by White Snake. I don't know, from the mid 80s. Some of you probably don't know that, but it's, and the reason I remember that is because it's just like, here I go again uh, out of my own, like a, well, if you listen to it the way I did, it was like a twister going down the only road I've ever known, but it was really supposed to be drifter. So I don't know about you. Um, I'm not a drifter out on my own, but anyway. Uh, do you have songs about the road? Long and winding road. Long and winding road. I, I'm, I don't know that one, Neil, but <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Another one, just, yeah. On the Road Again, yeah. That one almost immediately came to my mind. Country Road, Take Me Home? Yeah, I told the 820 crowd, it may be a true statement, it may not be a true statement. That's the most famous American song in South Korea. I don't know if it's true or not. That's what they told me in 2012. Just Running on Empty. There we go. Sentimental Journey. Okay. Happy trails. Hold on one more time. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Somebody's having fun with this. All right. Let's go. Uh, so, <coughs> sorry. Um, what was that? Highway to Heaven. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, ACDC did the other way too, right? <laughs> okay, now we're gonna stop. <laughs> yeah, no, there's. Uh, I asked the uh, I asked the folks in our media suite the other day. So, what kind of songs do you think about when you think about songs that describe the road? And they they very quickly came up with ten or fifteen songs. Here are some of the songs that they came up with. It's it's really s- rather simple, isn't it? When you start thinking about taking a journey, being on a road. And we've got all kinds of songs that reflect that space that a number of us come to, that a number of us experience. And those songs can reflect a couple of different things. Sometimes, I was thinking about the song this morning, Eight Days on the Road. Eight Days on the Road and I'm going to make it home tonight. And it's like, I'm a long way away from home and there's a destination that I've got to get to. And yet sometimes it's like, the other song, the White Snake song I told you about, it's like, I'm just drifting. I have no idea what's happening in the world, where I'm going, why I'm here. I just know I'm out here in this space. And you know what? Those feelings, those sentiments are kind of universal to all of us. And sometimes we find ourselves right there, right now. I mean, um, they're, just, they're just very real. When, when we turn to the pages of Scripture... Into the stories of Jesus' resurrection... ...we find people that are feeling all kinds of things... ...and their head space is in a lot of different places. Some of them are very sure about what they've seen... ...what they've heard, what they've experienced... ...and some of them are just trying to make sense of it. Today, on the road to Emmaus, when we we hear this text... ...we're going to hear about people that have heard... ...that Jesus has been resurrected... ...but they don't know what to make of it... ...or what to do with it. And it's in that space that Jesus comes along... And they're able to say, he appeared to us also. The question that we really want to get to in our time together today is, how is Jesus appearing to us? And in fact, near our, the end of our time together, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to maybe answer that question as well. We're going to read this text to start off with here. Luke 24, beginning at verse 13. <coughs> I'm sorry. Jim, could I bother you for some water? I've had one, but here, just give me yours. I'll take it. We're brothers in a lot of ways. You're not heavy, Jim. You're my brother. (laughs) Here's the text. Luke says, and there's some pictures to go on the screens so that you can see and imagine, okay? That same day... Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. So Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. (coughs) Sadness written across their faces. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets, what all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. For he's appeared to Peter. The word of God for the people of God. (laughs) When when Jesus joined those disciples. Just bring it up here, Neil. (laughs) Thanks, brother. When Jesus joined the disciples that were heading on their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus, he did so in a way that Luke says that they couldn't see him exactly. In fact, Luke, in that translation, says that God hid Jesus in a way. How is it that Jesus was hidden from their eyes? They had these questions. They knew who Jesus was. They had spent time with him. They'd been around him. How did they miss Jesus? There are three ways, there may be more ways, but there are at least three ways that I think Jesus was hidden from their eyes. The first way was that Jesus had a different kind of body than they were used to. One of the things we know about Jesus' body, his resurrected body, was that he could eat, he could talk, he could listen, he could converse. He could could at least put together the stuff, the elements for a fire. Jesus could do all those things. And at the same time, Jesus could also go through walls... I don't know about you, if you've tried to go through a wall lately. This morning I actually, during the 940 worship hour, I walked back through the the kids area and I saw a young man back there who was trying to go through a wall. He kept trying to hit his head on a wall. And I'm like, son, it's not going to work. You're not going to get through that wall. I don't know what you're frustrated about, but you are not walking through that wall. (coughs) Jesus had that capacity, though. Because when the doors were locked in one of the stories, Jesus was able to go through the doors. He was able to appear and disappear in ways that were were, were different. The reality is, is that Jesus has the first, the first edition of a resurrected body. Now, we don't know what a resurrected body is going to look like fully. In fact, Paul says, that's just something that we've got to imagine. We've got to take our minds to that place. Because, you know, Jesus is just the first indication of what that might look like. So they didn't really, they saw him, but they didn't, know what that resurrected body was like the second thing I think that keeps them from viewing that the fact that Jesus is there with them and resurrected is these two people who are walking maybe they're two guys maybe it's a guy and 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 a woman whatever the case is is they've heard the story that day about the women who came in and said that Jesus was resurrected and that they saw angels but in that day The testimony of a woman was discounted, wasn't respected as something that you could really rely upon in life, in in public events, public places, public courts. And so I would suggest to you that they didn't listen to the voices of the women who told them the story. They didn't believe them. Now, have the times changed? Do we believe women, men, who are in this place? What would the women who are in our lives tell us? What would our mothers and our sisters, our wives, say to us? Somebody after the 820 service said, I'm glad my wife wasn't here today. (coughs) I'm sorry about that, but I'm not really sorry about that. They didn't believe the women, and they missed Jesus. There are all kinds of places that we can take that one small point in our, in our day-to-day. All kinds of things that are flying up on the front pages of the paper. We don't have time to, to take that under consideration at this moment, but read it within the Scriptures. The witness of women is to be believed. Observed. The other thing. There's a third thing. Didn't believe the women. Cheryl, you remember? Mm, It's the big thing that Jesus talks about. They didn't recognize him, Jesus said, in the scriptures. In fact. Jesus spends a significant amount of time. The distance between Jerusalem and Bethany is about seven miles, which is, what, two, two and a half hours of a walk if you're going at a a significant pace. And so in that time frame, Jesus said, you know, folks, you've read the scriptures, you've heard them read, one of the two, most likely you've heard them read, you've discussed them, you've had synagogue time, you've had temple time. Where these stories that you've heard about, you've been able to see, lived out in in the places where you, you go to worship. And yet you haven't been able to see me. And so Luke tells us that over that two, two and a half hour time frame, Jesus took them starting with Moses and he walked them all the way through the scriptures. What we today call the Old Testament. Sometimes we think if we read the Old Testament... Um, That may be dry, dusty, boring. We're not sure we're ever going to encounter Jesus. But that's where Jesus takes his disciples in that moment to show him himself. And to show him all the illusion about who he was. I think one of the places where he may have stopped is in the story of Jonah. Because in the story of Jonah, you have this marvelous story about a call of God. And then you get Jonah thrown over into into the Mediterranean Sea. Down in the belly of a fish... And then he comes back up out of that belly of a fish. In that story is death and resurrection. In fact, that story alone was something that that the early church read over and over and over again because they said that was one of the signs that God was giving to the world of what he was going to do with Jesus, of a death, burial, and resurrection. One of the other places I think Jesus may have taken his disciples on this day was to the prophet Isaiah and there's all kinds of places within Isaiah's prophecy that point not just to, to what God is doing in the time of Isaiah, but to what God wants to do in the rest of time and how they all point to Jesus. In Isaiah 53, we hear these words. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. <coughs> But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Now note that that's Isaiah 53, 7 and 10. In 53, 7, the prophecy is about how he's going to suffer and he's going to bear sorrows. And yet then when it comes down to 53, 10, which is later, after, he's prospering. Jesus took his disciples, took them through what we call the Old Testament, and he showed them in place after place after place, hints of what his life was going to be like, how he was going to live, how he was going to suffer, how he was going to die and be resurrected. They struggled to see because they struggled to read. They struggled to understand the scriptures. Near the end of their walk, actually at the end of their walk, when they're in a mass and Jesus is gone, the disciples turn to one another and they say, as we walked with him, didn't our hearts burn as, we read the, as he unpacked the scriptures? That was a powerful moment when we began to see who he was. What happens to your hearts when you read the scripture? Do your hearts burn? Do your minds engage first? Does it ever get to your heart? Do you read the scriptures? Uh, recently, Lifeway Publishing did a, did a study. They asked people about how, what their use of the scriptures were like in America. They found that 9 in 10 homes in America had a Bible. But only about half of the people in those homes read the, read the scriptures. And about half of the people who read the scriptures read them to find out how they ought to live on a day-to-day basis. That is, for moral reasons, moral purposes. God didn't give us the scriptures, first and foremost, to shape our morality. He gave us the scriptures to give us a picture of what he's like. What his heart and his mind are like. He gave us the scriptures to reveal to us who we're we're like, what we're like. And to challenge our hearts, that our hearts are often far from him. And that our hearts need to be shaped into his likeness. And how that happens. He gave us the scriptures to see the fullness of, God's, uh, of, of his love that's expressed in the face of Jesus. He gave us the scriptures to know that, that he, beyond a shadow of a doubt, loves us and cares about us. And also, yes, it does, he does show us how to live in love, how to live a life of love. But it's not first and foremost about morality. It's first and foremost about the life of God and the life that we're invited into it's a to share. So how do you read the scriptures? Do you read the scriptures to get to that picture? Do you engage the scriptures with that in mind? Or do the scriptures, are they one of those things that kind of mystifies you? I think, I think some of the reasons we struggle with reading the scriptures is because um, sometimes we need a guide. And... No one's ever really come along and shown us how to read the scriptures. And sometimes we approach scripture like we approach everything else, as if there's some facts here, some facts we ought to understand and some facts we ought to implement. And if the scriptures go beyond facts. The scriptures invite us to enter into the story of God and to be a part of that story. Ignatius of Loyola was a contemporary of Martin Luther. And in your bulletin you've got a sheet that looks something like this, and Ignatius of Loyola was really into he was into reading the scriptures and finding that God was present, God was close to him, and so on the front side i 'll let you read the the back on uh, some of your own some other time, but on the front side, we see um, Some, some ways to get into the, the way that Ignatius read Scripture. And Ignatius began to imagine that he was a part of the story. That he put himself, took himself out of that place where he was at, and he put himself into the story that was unfolding, that was, that was present. So if you think about where we've been with this Emmaus road, imagine that you're the other disciple that goes unnamed. It's you. Imagine that you're walking down that road with Jesus and you have that conversation with him. That's one place you can imagine. Or imagine yourself sitting alongside of the road. Maybe you're a soldier and you begin just to hear those conversations. Maybe you're some other place in the story. But Ignatius said, you know, God utilized the imagination in all kinds of ways. And he gave us one. And so he wants us to use that when we, in, when we come to Scripture. So he's got these steps, like choose a passage from the gospel where Jesus is interacting with others. Ask God to be present and speak through his word because he wants to be. Read through his selected passage. Read through it a couple of different times because you hear things, you see things. One of the things that I, well, I'll save that for, for just a moment. Uh, you see different things. Close your eyes, imagine the scene. What's taking place? Who's there? What's Jesus doing? What are the smells? What are the senses telling you about that place? How do you hear it, touch? What's the taste that's in the air? What character do you find yourself in? And then, with this uh, way of reading with Ignatius, how do you take all of that and create a prayer, offer it up to God and say, Lord, okay, I'm here, I'm in this place, and now I see all this stuff, but but where do you want that to, to flow with me, with the world that I live in, with my community? You just stay a prayer that's a prayer, not of asking God to do something, but it's a prayer of openness. Like, I want to see you. Because I really do think, and I am really convicted that God wants... Not just the people in Scripture to see his face, but he wants us to see his face. He wants you to behold him and me to behold him. That was Ignatius' contribution. And it's a way of reading Scripture that I think unlocks some ways where we may find ourselves coming to a place where we don't really hear all that we hope to hear or expect to hear. So this morning, I said, This was about participating. I'm going to read this text that's on the bottom here again, which is just a portion of what we read earlier. And as we do that, I'd invite you to close your eyes and begin to imagine, as Ignatius suggested. And then after I get done reading, we're going to have a time of silence. And then if there's something within that text, or if the Spirit prompts you to say, I see something or hear something. And we're, mind you, we're talking about maybe a little image. And you don't even have to understand what it means. Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a smell. But if there are three or four of you that would like to come up here and share that. after And, and I'll give you the indication when it's time. We're going to do that this morning. But let's hear this text again. Jesus asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed They had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the other prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. After a season of listening and praying, silence, is there anyone who has a word or saw something, felt something, smelled something? Something was just sort of pointed out, the spirit pointed out to you. If you'd like to, you're welcome to come up here and just speak into the microphone. Jason, in my okay, thanks.
0: In about February, uh, my mother passed away. She was 92. And when I went to the open funeral, uh, the, I saw her. It really bothered me the way she looked. Uh, she would, wasn't just the passing of age, but it was uh, the last couple of weeks she had basically didn't have an appetite. And she just looked a, like a, a corpse. It really bothered me. I had to really remember that's not how she looks anymore. And she has a heavenly body. And in our mm-hmm. flyer we had, it had uh, a picture of my mother and my father when they were, first were uh, married, before me and my uh, siblings were born. And they were in their early 20s and it, it was, they, were, they just looked awesome, they looked beautiful. And I thought, you know, when we have our heavenly body, you know, I believe we're gonna be looking more like whatever that prime age that we looked our best. And uh, I believe that's what, uh, in that sense, that's what, how I see Jesus. He was looking at whatever that age he was. Maybe he was looking more into when Jesus was 20 years old instead of when he was 35 or whatever it was. But beyond that, then I thought also when he uh, would tell them all the scriptures, they were basically listening to him like a teacher. But once he broke the bread and, and the cup, the drink, they, uh, they realized that, wait a minute, this is Christ. And all of a sudden, their eyes were open. It wasn't really a physical that they they can also, you know, just like, uh, you know, you know when God's speaking to you in your heart. You don't have to actually see them. You feel, you know, that inside voice. So I believe the same thing on this. Thanks, Dan.
1: Somebody else? Jesus.
2: Um, What spoke to me was when they said it was the priests who crucified him. Mm. And my thought was, but it, they said in their hearts, it was me. And when we realize it was me, that makes a big impact. Also that they said we wanted him to save Israel, that they still didn't really understand why he was there and the importance of reading the scripture. And as you said, letting Jesus come into your heart, that's what really makes the big impact. Thank you.
1: So Jesus was their teacher. And as he talked, their hearts burned within them. And then Luke is pretty descriptive about how he says they had to kind of plead with him, beg with him, hey, stay the night with us. Here was this traveler who was like a teacher, and there was something unique about him, but they didn't, they still, they never asked his first name. But they're hospitable people. They know the rules of hospitality, so they say, hey, come to our house. Stay with us. And he does, but Jesus does something that most guests don't do. When they get the table set, Jesus takes a moment to take the bread and to give thanks and to break it. Now those who traveled with him that night, They'd seen Jesus do this other times. And in that moment, on that road that they had journeyed, with those things that he had said, they knew right there, right then, on that moment, that it wasn't just a teacher that had been with them. It was Christ himself. And sometimes when we're in this place, when we come to this table, I hope it isn't just bread or a cup that you see. But God hopes that you see the face of the resurrected Christ and you hear the voice of Christ saying to you and to me, beloved, you are loved. And here is the cup of love poured out for you for many, for the world. Jesus, in our world today, there are a lot of voices, a lot of things we hear, a lot of things we say. But what we need is we need your voice. We need your presence. We need your life. So on these roads that we travel, on these roads that we journey down, draw close to us. And as we partake of this bread and this cup, draw close to us today. Feed us with yourself and make our hearts open and ready to receive. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit we pray. Amen.